0: Welcome to Sam 73. Now we begin what is called as the third book which contains Psalms from Sam 73 till Sam 89. This apparently contains most Psalms from Asaph and few Psalms attributed to the sons of Korah and David himself. As mentioned earlier Asaph was a great singer and musician of David and Solomon's era. In fact 1 chronicles 29 and 30 adds that Asaph was a prophet in his musical compositions. And we certainly have been blessed by a few of his Psalms in the earlier study from the second book. Now in this Psalm, Asaf begins with the statement, God is good, and also ends with the same statement, God is good but he apparently struggles with things that are not so good and this are in the in between verses. So he begins by saying God is good, he ends by saying God is good, but you see the psalmist struggling in the in between verses. Let's find out what his struggle is all about. Verses 1 to 3, he says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, Asaph got the basic premise right, God is good, but, but, when he pondered the success of the wicked and the sorrow of the righteous, he began to falter in faith. It's like saying, God, I know you are good. You are good to those who are pure in heart. And that's the truth. Yes, God is good, but look, I'm also disturbed by another truth that I see around, and that is the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, how is it that the wicked and the boastful are prosperous? They sure aren't pure in heart. What then is the good in being good? If the wicked enjoy prosperity too, what is the reward for being godly? Shouldn't the plans of the wicked flounder and perish? If God is in control, shouldn't they be punished? And if you read from verses 4-9, to Asaf goes on to describe the good life that the wicked are enjoying as compared to the godly who are struggling with their life. He says, Oh, there is no pain in their death. They are not in trouble as other men. They have more than their heart could ever wish. In fact, in verses 13, he kind of expresses remorse over his pure heart and clean hands. And he says, I surely followed this path in vain. Oh Lord, I have truly kept my heart pure and my hands clean in vain. Now may I say this, this is not just Asaph's problem, this is my problem too. This is all of our problem. Haven't we all been envious of people, people of the world, people around us? Well, just look at your neighbor. He perhaps has better house, better car, better education and so on and so forth. And he is not bound by the rules of conduct as we are as the children of God. Yes, we cannot take bribes, we cannot digress to dishonest means, but he can. And because he can, he seems to be doing good instead of being caught and punished for his dishonesty. Well, is there any point in keeping my heart pure and my hands clean? Now, this is a big problem, I must admit, for all of us. Believe me, all of us are prone to fall into this trap, and it is indeed a trap that many fall into. But why does this problem occur? Why does this problem occur? First, I think this problem arises the moment we start to walk by sight. The moment we start to walk by sight and not by faith. Well, it's not that we did not start by faith at the first go. Oh, we did. But you know, as you walk for some time, sight tends to take over faith. And it is when sight takes over faith, we begin to compare ourselves with others around us. We compare their wealth, their influence, their affluence, their children, and the list can go on and on and on. And this, believe me, can be catastrophic to one's faith. Second, I think this problem arises when we confuse our definition of good with God's definition of good. When we confuse our definition of good with God's definition of good. And I think this is big again because most problem in life occur over a clash over what we think is good versus what God thinks is good. For instance, Moses thought it was good to lead people a particular way, but God had a different good in his mind, and that involved 40 years in the wilderness. Joseph thought he could reach his dreams his way, but God had an empty well, a betrayal, a prison, my goodness, what all in his way. Mary and Martha thought it would have been good if Jesus arrived as soon as he received the news of Lazarus being sick, but Jesus's goodness meant him being four days late. And if I can say, Eve, I can say, it is very hard, it is very hard to comprehend God's goodness as human beings in our natural self. Even Eve could not make sense why a good God would withhold good from her by forbidding her from eating of the tree of knowledge. And perhaps I may say the only way, the only way to reconcile this is to do as Asaph did and that is to enter into the presence of God to enter into the presence of God and to start looking at things from God's viewpoint and to understand that there is a truth that goes beyond what we see with our natural eyes. It is only then, it is only then, we will be able to see that the wicked is truly placed on slippery ground. They are building well, they're building strong, but they're building it on slippery slope. You see, the important thing is not about what we own but who owns us? And Asaph quickly realizes that he's owned by God. God is his friend and therefore he needed nothing. He had more than the wicked and what he had would last forever. For God would hold him, for God would guide him, strengthen him, satisfy his spiritual desires and one day take him to be with him. And therefore he says in verse 25, Who have I in heaven but you, O God? And there is none, there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. What a beautiful way, what a beautiful way to end one's confusion by strengthening our hope and faith in the one who has called us and to fix our eyes on God and to get his eternal perspective. You see, this difficulty is bound to come, not just to me, but to all of us, especially when we drift to walk by side and when we confuse God's definition of goodness to ours. But remember, the only way to get back, the only turnaround is to take time to worship God and get our spiritual vision refocused on God. May I ask, are you someone who has been caught in this trap? You've been in ministry serving God for long and now when you look back, you're like, what did I gain? Look at those around me. Was it really all it's worth? I heard a story of a man who had served as a missionary in a foreign land for long, long years. And now the time had come for him to return. Upon reaching his homeland at the port, he saw a group of people waiting with flowers to welcome him. He was so delighted. At last, I had few who had come to receive me and his heart was so excited. But upon deboarding from the ship, he realized that those people were waiting for someone else and his heart surely sank. But God reminded him and said, son, you haven't come home yet. Son, you haven't come home yet. The only turnaround for us is to enter into God's presence and see things from God's perspective, to see things from heavenly perspective. Shall we pray? Lord, this is a danger I can fall into any time. I can slip into walking by sight and begin to compare myself with others. I can lose sight of God's goodness too. However, would you help me, dear Lord, to remain in your presence and in worship and in your word daily that I get to see things from eternal perspective. And this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.